0: You're
1: listening to Ink Tank by Movable Ink, designed to help marketing leaders excel in today's ever-changing environment. I'm Jackie Mattia, Director of Strategy here at Movable Ink. And I'm Naveen Wall, Associate Director of Client Strategy at Movable Ink. In the second part of our two-part series, we're catching up with Miles Klieger, President and Chief Customer Officer at Breeze, to discuss some of the trends observed as a result of COVID-19. Customer behavior has changed rapidly in recent months, and many companies have actually benefited and seen an uptick in new business as a result of the pandemic. Marketers are now challenged to keep newly acquired customers engaged over time and to convert them into high-quality, long-term customers. Today, we'll show valuable insights and discuss how brands can drive customer retention and loyalty. So Miles, let's dig in today on retention. Are there any significant strategic changes you've seen in how companies are retaining existing customers in the wake of COVID-19?
2: Yeah, it's uh I and mean, that that's a great question and and there there definitely have been um some some shifts and and some changes. Like retention is retention uh, always and forever, but but you know how you do it and and, uh, and how you think about it certainly has been impacted in this environment. Um you know, I guess to answer your question, I'd start with like, you know, there's, there's been a lot written about this, um, and, and certainly you've seen a lot of it on the news, uh, about this kind of notion of like phases of the pandemic. Um, so you had that kind of initial shock when everyone just couldn't believe what was going on, and, and, um, and then obviously it, it changed into another phase where you sort of were in the new normal, whatever that means, and then now you're kind of in that next phase where you're starting to, like we talked about at the top, you're starting to think about uh getting back out in the real world and all the stuff you'd love to do. Uh so there's that more like optimistic forward looking phase which I think we're in now especially if the weather's getting warmer and then there's kind of that that last phase where you're sort of back out at it and and I think um smart companies are are like thinking about their their marketing and and retention and engagement strategies like along those phases and and adjusting their messaging and their tactics based on what phase people are in and of course not everyone is in the same phase at the same time, uh, even when in the same location. But certainly, state by state, country by country, things look very different. So it, it's really important to think about that to to inform your strategy. Um, so that's really like I, I think just like at the high level, strategically um, going on now in, in a way that obviously is not um, <laughs> typically we're not we're not operating through a pandemic and and, and how to move out of a pandemic, but regardless of of uh, you know pandemic phase or industry you're in or location, I still think that certain things are going to hold true under any circumstances when it comes to communication and And three things that we've been really coaching our clients on our customers on um, to to you know as they think about messaging and retention is is you need to be human. you know you need to be em- empathetic, you need to. Um, understand what the people who are receiving your message uh, are going through, you know, at that time. So again, that gets back to the the where, the the when, the phase, things like that. But but that's going to change. But you're going to want to be human during any of those phases. Um, you really need to provide value. So what what are and value means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But but you know, sending throwaway generic messages that are insensitive or not offering any value or not informing people about things or not making them smile or laugh uh, are, are going to be, I think, uh, especially ineffective <laughs> in this kind of environment. Um, and then kind of related to that is like, how can you be helpful? And, and you're going to be helpful directly or indirectly. But you should be thinking about that um, whenever you send a message to anyone in an environment like this.
1: All the space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that's, you know, it's interesting because I think that when, you know, we were still in the first few initial weeks, uh, customers might have been a little bit more forgiving with brands that sent some blooper communications and maybe were not, you know, sensitive because I think people know that, you know, everybody, companies, marketers included, were, you know, still kind of catching up, but, you know, now and going forward, uh, sending, you know, an accidental insensitive message, message or sending a one size fits all that doesn't add value kind of isn't forgivable in my opinion by customers anymore and um you know there's been some great stats thrown around that uh customers you know will really uh gauge their you know how fond they are of a brand and how willing they are to stick with a brand long term, based on how they respond right now. Yeah. So I think we're past that phase where brands have you know a leash to to send a one size fits all or make some of those those early on mistakes that we see.
2: Yeah, to- totally agree. And I uh, you know we we talk a lot at Braze as well about how really every message you send uh, is is an opportunity to either mm-hmm. create equity or destroy equity with your customers. And I think now in this environment that, you know, to, to your point, that's even uh, more true than than ever before. And people are, you know, they're not necessarily keeping a scorecard on this stuff, but they notice and it matters. And you, you can really win the hearts and minds of customers or you could lose it very quickly uh, by saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing right now.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, message frequency, like you said earlier, is up across, you know, certain, uh, certain verticals. And so customers are, you know, a little inundated with messaging. So you have, you know, a split second, I think, to catch their attention when they do open that email or do, you know, see that piece of marketing. And there's an opportunity cost to your point if it's not the optimal message to send them. So
2: Yep. yeah, Yeah. And and messaging is is definitely up uh, you know, to your point. And and you know, just just because I haven't thrown any metrics out at you in, in 30 seconds, I, I might as well get back at it. But uh, across our customer base, we, we actually have seen a, a huge increase in messaging, and that was even more pronounced at the start of the lockdown. Um, so, in the very beginning, during kind of let's, let's call the month of March the beginning, um, messages sent in aggregate across our customer base were up 17.5% during that month, as compared to 5.71% over an average month in 2019. So, you know, we're talking about essentially three times higher increase in that month. And, and I I think, you know, just as, as a consumer experiencing this, I mean, it's almost like, I think the only other time when I got as many messages was like when GDPR was happening and everyone needed to remind you that (laughs) you could, you could opt in or opt out of their uh, communications going forward. But so some of this was, uh, was, was obviously driven by this notion of every company needed to like tell their customers what was going on, like right at the start, like, am I open, am I closed? Uh, there's announcements, there's a, uh, you know, we're, we're here with you, we're thinking of you type messages that were a lot more kind of one off in nature. Um, so it's not surprising that we saw a huge surge in the month of March. But what's interesting is that uh, that has normalized, but it hasn't, it hasn't declined. And, and we're still seeing the volume of messaging higher than usual, but not so much higher than usual. And I actually think that's a pretty good sign uh for this notion of things getting back to to normal or closer to normal um and then in terms of performance you know it's interesting too because you would you would think in the wake of of like a lot of noise and so many messages coming that that um some of the key metrics that you would track top of the funnel metrics around performance would would be declining in that environment just because the denominator is so big but we've seen this year um, overall email unique open rate is is actually up and, and in April in particular. So now we're out of the crisis month uh, or the or the peak crisis month, let's call it, of March. So now we're in April and the overall um, unique email open rate that we're seeing is up 12.35% this April versus last April. And same story in push. We see the the click to app open rate is up this April compared to last April. Those are significant increases. And I I think on a relative basis, it's even more impressive considering that the the volume of messaging is even higher and the bar is higher from the recipient of the messaging, you know, to your point earlier. Uh, And and kind of this last, last metric I'll throw out here from a messaging perspective is, you know, we've been talking about Personalization and relevance, and and you know now more than ever, as as we hear all the time (laughs) in the world now, uh, personalization you know wins the day. Uh, We saw in April that personalized messages were driving a twenty three x higher impact on purchases than non personalized messages in the month of April. That's just I mean that that's I think maybe the craziest metric we've we've talked about so far today.
0: That is insane twenty three x wow. Um, So you've also got some really interesting data that's not pandemic-related on correlations between opt-ins and retention. Can you share some of that with us?
2: So, yes, uh, we do have some interesting data on on opt-ins, and they're absolutely critical. Obviously, you need opt-ins, and and when I'm talking about opt-ins, I mean permission to send messages, uh, outbound messages like push or email or SMS. uh, But you need those opt-ins in order to run these cross-channel Uh, engagement programs that that we've been talking about that are critical for retention. And while I don't have data for 2020 yet, although uh, that is something we're going to be looking at very soon, in 2019, over the course of the entire year, we saw that opt-ins were very highly correlated with retention. And and in retail specifically as a vertical, uh, if users were opted in, we saw that Braze customers were able to retain those users at an 87.67% greater rate than their non-opted-in users that they didn't have permission or opportunity to go out and, and reach out to proactively through those outbound messaging channels. Um, that seems intuitive, but that that correlation is is huge. So all brands, but certainly retail brands, should be focusing on maximizing opt-ins and reducing opt-outs so that they can improve their chances of retaining new users acquired You know, now when we said this huge surge of people just came in. If you don't have opt-in permissions, your likelihood of keeping them around and turning them into valuable customers in the long run is is severely reduced
0: yeah and just um, continuing on that topic of messaging across channels there's obviously been a really large focus on mobile given that 60% of consumers are reporting that they're spending more time on their mobile devices because of this pandemic what role has mobile played throughout this pandemic
2: yeah yeah uh, thank you for asking that we you know we touched on that a little bit with uh, with financial services and with with education uh, but mobile has really been critical. Um, interestingly, though, we've what we've seen is, uh, and again, this is another uh, somewhat intuitive when you stop and think about it uh, metric, yet surprising relative to consumer trends and behavior overall, is that the web has been making a bit of a comeback. And when I say the web, I mean I mean the desktop web here as well, because people are home and. You know, take Facebook, for example, their desktop usage was up uh, huge relative to their mobile usage, which is typically how people have been interacting with Facebook for years because people are home and, uh, and they're just like, why not? I'll just use my laptop or, or my desktop. Um, so what we saw is, is uh, kind of supporting this idea is that uh, 45.59% of the new users who are acquired in the past 60 days were web users versus 54.37% on mobile. And that's actually a much more even split than we typically see. So last year in all of 2019, it was a little over 40% web and a little under 60% mobile. And now it's basically 46 to 54. So it shows that kind of shift towards web. But interestingly, and kind of back into mobile's favor for a second, even though we've been seeing the new users skewing towards web, uh, the retention data is much much better for the newly acquired mobile users, and, and I think that that is uh, consistent with what we've seen for for years now. That kind of your your best customers are installing your apps and using your apps that are most likely to engage with you, and I think that makes sense. Uh, but just kind of right now in this environment, we're seeing daily seven day retention for mobile users that have joined in the past sixty days is over three times higher than seven day retention for web users. So that tells us that. Perhaps, you know, like clearly mobile will continue to lead the way around kind of retention programs and engagement programs, but maybe, especially if the lockdown continues for a long time, maybe brands should be thinking a little bit harder about how to retain web users.
1: Good point. So are there any brands that you've seen that you think are doing a really exceptional job at keeping their customers engaged across channels?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great examples out there, but, um, you know, one that definitely comes to mind for, for me happens to be actually, a a a shared client of ours, which, which is cool is, uh, is SoulCycle. Um, so, you know, I'm actually not, not a big, uh, SoulCycle person, but, uh, I, I know many, many people who are, and I know, I know really one of the very special things about SoulCycle is the community and, and that kind of, That experience of being in the studio with everyone else kind of sweating together, getting tortured together by whoever's leading the class and that sense of community. And that's a big part of of why people go and why they've been so successful. And obviously, when you have to close all the studios, you know, a lot of the fitness brands have done a really great job of um, creating, you know, virtual classes and stuff you can do at home and all that. And I think, you know, SoulCycle and Equinox and others have, have have been there right there with some of these other brands doing good things. But what SoulCycle did that I thought was was pretty notable was they didn't want to walk away from that community feeling and just give people materials to or content to use kind of in their home by themselves to work out. They wanted to kind of figure out how to move that community into a digital environment. So. They spun up these um, Facebook groups, uh, which basically were virtual studios. And then they used the combination of our technologies to tell people about them and send these really targeted email messages, um, letting you know about virtual studios that were happening in your market, directing you to them. And, and I think they got a really great response and a ton of, ton of people kind of clicking through, joining those groups. Um, interacting with people they may have, um, you know, exercised with in the studio in the past, or maybe some new people they never met before. And I think that's just pretty cool, both in terms of cross-channel engagement but, and leveraging social platforms, but also kind of not, not walking away from your like, core ethos and who you are and figure out how to recreate that in a digital way to the best of your ability.
0: Yeah, I think you've put that so well. It's, it's just such a great campaign where our company's really shifted to keep those communities adapted despite this environment that we're in. Um, Jackie, I know we were talking earlier about a, a really great Amex campaign that stood out to you. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, this has got to be one of my favorite emails that I've received in the past few weeks. So Amex uh, sent me this email, which is sort of a card essentials guide. And what I loved about it was it showed me, you know, I have a, a card with them that's very rich travel products. So, you know, I'm typically using it to earn those travel rewards and travel benefits, which obviously are not as relevant right now, um, except in my mind. And, you know, it showed me sort of all the personalized ways that I could use my card benefits and rewards now. So for example, they showed me that, you know, the ride sharing credit that I normally use for Uber could also be used for Uber Eats, right, to order uh, to order delivery. Um, they also showed me that I could, you know, not just have all of my rewards points that I would normally spend on travel sitting in my account, but I could actually donate them to charity and then Amex would match my donation, right? And, you know, uh, Amex has this great network of small business partners, um, but it showed me some personalized ways that I could also use my card to shop small and support local businesses. So I thought that was, you know, really impressive that they were able to deliver, you know, this consolidated personalized view that was so relevant to me uh, and helpful right now. So really great campaign. I just took a look at the clock and we are coming up on time. Uh, We've covered, you know, a lot of ground today and many topics. Miles, you know, what do you think are the top three takeaways for marketers from this discussion?
2: Yeah, uh, let me think. I'd say, you know, personalization clearly as we were talking about earlier, um, now more than ever using personalization to be as relevant and as possible to really cut through the noise. Um, second thing for me is, is kind of back to that notion of, of making sure you're adding value uh, for your customers when you're communicating. Um, so critical and, and obviously that dovetails really nicely with, with, um, personalization because the more personalized you are, the more likely you are to be adding value. Um, and then I'd say doubling down on retention, uh, obviously a big theme of our conversation today. You've got all these new customers coming in. Some of them might be incredibly valuable customers who will permanently change their behaviors, uh, forever, uh, in the wake of COVID-19. Um, you got to make sure you, you figure out who those people are and keep them. And, and then let's not forget our existing customers, uh, the, the people we had before this all started, who may, at the end of the day, turn out to be our most valuable customers and the ones with the highest LTV. We can't forget about them. We have to continue to retain them.
1: Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. It was great to have you on. Uh, That is all the time we have for today's episode. Uh, I would encourage everyone to please be sure to subscribe to Ink Tank so that you don't miss our upcoming episodes. Thanks again, Miles and Noreen.